From TMP to TTNG For sure the care in those tired meme jeans Hella Kinsella and the promise ring Sunny day real estate and rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God for Algernon and Remo Christie front drive Mineral snowing high tide hotelier and more Rio Limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore Episode 61 of the E-Word, first episode of 2021, first episode in about a month and a half, but we're back, and this is Kyle, I'm recording here in Madison, Wisconsin, over there in Austin, Texas, which apparently has snow now. Yeah, we just had to scrape a a shit ton off the car to go to the gas station, and I think we have to go buy a new windshield wiper, because it was, one of them was just like, like, flopping around, all fucked up. Well, we brought Camp Trash on for the first episode of the year. I don't. Yeah. I know half of it is in Portland. Are you both in Portland? No, I'm, no. I'm down in uh, Gainesville, Florida. Yes. R.I.P. to Fest. <laughs> <laughs> Levi is in Gainesville, um, and I am Keegan, and I play guitar in Camp Trash, and I live in Portland, Oregon. The rest of the band is in Florida right now. Alex and Brian, Alex plays drums, and Brian is a vocalist. They both live in Bradenton, Florida. I feel like people always forget that Glockamora was from Florida, right? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the real the real Glockamora fans are always like, they fucking started to suck when they moved to Philly. Yeah, was, <laughs> that, that, that's where I was getting. I feel like the people that are like, Ghoul Intentions is their best work are like... Yeah, where people are like, yeah, I feel like we as a band have been going back and forth between where are we from? Like, where are we going to hail from? Because everyone like a lot of people know Keegan's in Portland, but a couple of places have described us as a Bradenton band, which I think I want to disavow as soon as possible. Um, But being from Florida, that's some real like emo revival credit. I want to I want to take that title. I adore that you say the full you don't say cred you say credit yeah, all the way out <laughs> as i was anticipating it sounding really bro-ish uh so i just i just tacked the end on you stuck the landing bud wouldn't mind being described as a florida band i think that there was a write-up of one of our songs that mentioned like uh further seems forever and uh stuff like that which we don't sound like at all but just that like <laughs> said that florida is a place where like a lot of it, Florida is an 
underrated part of like emo history where a lot of the bands that come out of there get famous after they leave Florida or don't get credit for being part of like the emo scene until much, much later in their careers um, or as afterthoughts. Hot, hot water music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no idea records in general. Yeah. yeah. Florida, I mean, my favorite, my favorite Florida bands that have like, secret emo cred of all are always shy halut and strong arm like Absolutely. tracing the straight line from strong arm to dashboard confessional is super fun <laughs> we would we need to go on record here that florida is absolutely the finest christian rock state in america there is no better home for christian rock christian metalcore um i have at least four seven star t-shirts um, I deeply believe in the supremacy of very dumb, bad Christian metalcore and am grateful to be from a place where I went to so many shows where I just got my shit kicked in, in the first four seconds and then kind of sat on the steps outside. It's a very foundational element of my youth. Um, but, you know, as much as we love Florida and the bands from it, right now Bradenton's most famous for being the home of that dude who got arrested for stealing the podium out of the capitol building so wait that that's where that guy's from well we'd like to specify he's from parish which is the shitty adjacent suburb of bradenton we're gonna try and distance ourselves as much as possible from that guy. right so when people say that you're from bradenton it's kind of like when people say we're in our emo podcast just <laughs> <laughs> it's you know what saying any more would be unfair to the good people of our emo or of bradenton florida so we got to move forward the good people of our emo. <laughs> okay. Um, so before we get into stuff about Camp Trash, uh, just give a little preview of the episode. Um, we're gonna. This is going to be our 2021 episode. We're going to talk about records that we're anticipating, things that we hope die off in 2021, or things that we hope happen, predictions and resolutions. Um, Ellie, I mean... Everyone really, pardon the absence. Um, I basically lost my mind for two months straight and had no capacity to do anything productive. Um, maybe we can still do a 2020 album of the year episode with Tyler. Yeah, yeah, we might we might be able to pull that off. I did like a like a best of 2020 piece, but I'm sure I've added like 50 albums since then. Yeah, um, I don't even know if I have yeah. a list. <clears throat> I didn't do a list. I just did like a stream of consciousness, like. Here's what I listen to because I can't I can't fucking like rank shit anymore. I've just like lost the ability because what's like really the difference between something that's like number 48 and something that's 39 like Adderall it's minuscule. The difference is a prescription for Adderall. That's the difference. Um, I, I, I've taken to ranking albums in the, those like grids like people do their five by fives. Uh, it, it lets me like do it visually and not by like one through 25 or something. Um, it's way more fun. It's funny you say that, Keegan, because I, I I took an Adderall before recording. I always like have Adderall and like a little vape pen and like some caffeine when we record, or else my brain feels like it's like literally underwater. That's um, the podcasters' breakfast, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing at the top, R.I.P. M.F. Doom. Yep. R.I.P. Capitalize that shit. Mm-hmm. You said you were like you were literally listening to um, food like that. Yeah, morning, right? that morning I was driving around, dropping my partner off at work, and that's what was playing. And then two hours later, Pitchfork, ten minutes ago, R.I.P. M.F. Doom. 
absolutely fucked. Do you okay? And the the thing that I've been kind of thinking about is like MF Doom is probably the most popular he's ever been like right now or mm-hmm. like as he passed away. Yeah, it's it's crazy because like he's just been like one of like the five main go to like underground rappers mm-hmm. like for the past like 20 years straight essentially and that sort of credibility just kept like stockpiling 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 until the point where it's it, it kind of like has reached its absolute zenith now and i think it's only going to grow like over the next decade because it's it's unreal like how influential his his rhyme schemes were uh, it's it's just it's just going to be uh it's going to be weird seeing people kind of copy paste his takes on on culture and pop culture um over and over and over again and know that it came from this specific place and knowing that he's not going to be around to like subvert it anymore i think like tyler the creator or else sweatshirt like that style and flow and like you know i think like earl sweatshirt's rhyme patterns and everything all can be traced back to mf doom and outside of wu-tang i don't think any rapper's done more for like comic book nerd visibility in hip-hop <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that uh craig jenkins who's you know a genius and a tremendously compassionate writer which we have too few of um talked about how i don't know if this was something he wrote or this was something that we were talking about but he was saying that a lot of times that uh, like white writers especially kind of erase how much nerdery there is in rap music to begin with, how much of it is lore and like um, minutia and, and how vital that is to the genre. And MF Doom made that all very literal and made that all part of his iconography. And I think that literally no one has ever done it as well or will ever do it again. Like in two and a half years, from like 03 to 05, he like invented perfected and put the nail in the coffin of a genre of comic book rap like he just like showed us what it could he showed us what was possible he then achieved everything that was possible um in in an incredibly short run and i don't it is just one of the people that will never have a similar voice we'll have people that are influenced him by, by him forever but we'll never have a voice that's similar yep yeah i mean he and he he had like a lot of albums like an underground shit come out before we even like knew who he was too so that's like another part of it yeah KMD and all that shit yeah like there's literally pictures of him and like tupac yeah um yeah it's like the most rewarding deep dive when you're like in college or whatever and you hear "Mm, food and you and you just like pull up the wikipedia article or whatever it's it's an incredibly eventful and tragic and triumphant career it's just singular in, in every way i mean i i just like sob like i'm a 30 year old man who found out a rapper he liked passed away and just crying in my laptop and i think that like um what i don't want is for people to be like talking about how that was the punctuation mark on 2020 or whatever um yeah because i feel like it, it has nothing to do with a shitty year full of fascists and mm-hmm. dipshits and like you know us having to be in the streets every night of the summer just because there's no other way to announce that we're through with the status like mf doom is not a part of any tragic 2020 story that's like a beautiful life well lived and someone who i hope is remembered way outside of this bullshit year um 
but and 2020 being what it was is definitely why Camp Trash has just last week put out music after the, not doing anything for a whole year. And the thing about the whole 2020 narrative is that it's it's still 2020. It's going to be 2020 until this pandemic is over. Yeah. Yeah, for, for so many people who have been like watching this happen, like someone tweeted, well, that like, well, that escalated very steadily over the course of four years. Like people have been watching this become the thing for so long and to box it into a year feels like, uh, like, great. Now, now that we're paying attention, like, I mean, yeah, if, if you really want to, if you really want to extend the, the analysis here, 2020 technically started in January, 2017, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just just more people have been noticing that it's 2020. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait until I go to my first you know concert of like you know probably fall 2022, and tweet "Rest in peace 2020" in parentheses 2017 to 2022. Yeah, <laughs> a year that lasted five years. How, wait, Keegan, how many bevies do you have right now? I saw a mug. I saw a thermos. Um, this is just this is the how I get the first pot of coffee of the day. First, I oh, drink I this one, um, and then the rest of the pot about fits in this. So this is like these two cups, then this, and that's the first pot. And then pot number two starts about ten a.m. and then it's afternoon coffee. We yeah. we must have been raised by the same dad because I did exactly the same thing. Uh, thermos for extra coffee, mug of coffee. I've also got oh, was, my water. Which my which, which thermos is that? Uh, this is my free law school thermos. Oh, yeah, this is the Sarasota Christian School mug from when I was a high school English, middle school English teacher at a Christian school. That's why your mom's favorite. Okay, Keith Buckley. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We're building out the lore. So talking about camp trash properly here, um, I started off by saying that most Twitter personality or music writer bands suck, and I'm glad that this one doesn't. Can anyone confirm that theory that people that are popular on Twitter that have bands or who are popular on Twitter just for being popular on Twitter? Most of those bands suck. I mean, you brought up you brought up United Nations, uh, Jonah. I, I don't know if it's pronounced Bayer or Bayar. I've like heard multiple pronunciations. I think it's Bayer of it. because the sister's on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the crazy thing about uh Jonah Bear is that yes, United Nations is really good, but I think Jonah Bear himself is kind of shitty. <laughs> like, I, I like that podcast that he was doing. It's 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 hit or miss for me. Uh, I listened to him on Turned Out a Punk, and it was like it was it was much better than the pot than like his podcast. I thought like I liked hearing his stories about the Clevo scene and like One Life Crew and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when you listen to the podcast, it's just like him like inserting like puns as the other as the artist is like attempting to tell their story <laughs> jonah bear please come on the e-word <laughs> we're putting out the jonah bear bat signal um i think that every everything that's been written, written about camp trash has mentioned my extremely active twitter presence which yeah. i feel is a deeply shameful mark against the band like camp trash didn't begin as like an internet project like the singer Brian Gorman has had a Twitter account since 2013. He's used exactly four times, and one of them was to tweet at a party in Gainesville in college when I disappeared to go hook up with somebody. He looked around, couldn't find me, and instead of texting me with his phone that he was holding, 
he logged onto Twitter and sent the tweet, Keegan Bradford is a piece of shit, man. He's gone for real. <laughs> so most of the band is not very, like, online at all. Well, yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it's, it sounds kind of... Um shitty to be like okay keegan this is your band and yeah. this is why people have heard of the band at this point but it's also like well we're, we're gonna get you, into this later but you, you kind you, of the the notoriety comes from like the the everlasting mystery of whether or not camp trash was a real band in the first place yeah <laughs> yeah i think that what we can what we can definitely say about camp trash is camp trash got online well before we had anything to release or promote we recorded the ep in january of 2019 or 2020 god how many years has it been how many years was long was 2020 we recorded we played a show in the over like christmas break essentially over the holidays in 2019 with worst party ever um just before they were preparing to release their ep here online Levi and Brian and I had played in a band for several years, for a long time, called Friendship America, which was just a project that we played in whenever I was home from college. Did not take it very seriously. Recorded exactly, I think, four songs in the living room of Cameron's parents' house, Cameron of the band Farseek, um, who lives in Ohio now but grew up in the Florida area with us. And so it was just a very chaotic project we played whenever I was back in town. So we played a show with Worst Party Ever, which was the last Friendship America show and the first Camp Trash show, like ending the goofier project and kind of officially starting our taking it more seriously or the project we were more excited about carrying forward. Um, and it went really well and was so much fun that afterward we decided we would just keep doing it. Yeah, we had, um, we had um, flirted with brian's like really good songwriting for a while in friendship of america and it became clear at the end of friendship that like we're now taking songs that could be actually made into a real like cohesive project and we're just kind of putting them on this band that we don't take very seriously and so like uh one of the tracks on this ep bobby has is one that we like played with friendship for a while and i've just transitioned over to like this is this is some of Brian's good work we're going to like take from our previous band and make into camp trash. Was Friendship America like an emo band? Friendship America was Levi? Yeah, we were we were like I think of it as like a mix between emo and party rock. The All the songs were written more or less like in 15 minutes. <laughs> like yeah. we would get together the day before the show and then we would play the songs we had and then we would any idea we had we would try and hammer it out in 15 or 20 minutes it was heavily Jet. tiger's jaw influenced oh uh, okay because yeah. you said you said emo and party rock and i was gonna say i would love to hear like emo andrew wk like <laughs> that would be the shit i think that live it translated more like that because we we practiced in our drummer's bedroom without any mics and to record demos we would in, in the olden days, you had a click wheel iPod with a little voice mic you would plug into the bottom, and we'd tape that to the wall of his bedroom with masking tape, and then we would record that way. And so when we played live, we had written all the songs by screaming all the lyrics because we had no mics, and so we just played that way also. All of us we singing were, them at the same time. <laughs> I think we were very jarring and potentially dis- disturbing to see perform live. <laughs> so I guess, like... When Camp Trash started, like, how active of a band were you guys? Because it sounds like 
the other band was sort of like when whenever we can get people together so like at, like at what point were you like we need to focus on camp trash like in the very beginning brian and i became friends in high school he had moved to florida from michigan and i had moved to florida from buffalo new york both of us right about like kind of at the start of high school and so we became we, we met through like a group of friends down there through a mutual friend group and um started uh, at, at the time started a christian rock band that i called last place victory um <laughs> would have been one of the all-timer christian rock names if we'd ever you know really taken off played more than the church halls but we i went away to, to college in virginia and brian and i would write songs by sending voice memos back and forth just you know emailing stuff we'd recorded on our phones uh and then when i came back town to florida brian and i would just spend all day driving around playing songs in parking lots like just doing florida shit um so that turned into french of america and then we recruited levi uh to play bass in it at the time levi was in high school was going to high school with andy from worst party ever um and then cameron uh who i mentioned was in is in far seek which is a tremendous band and a very cool and singular band was in a band called betterment um mike who plays drums in a band called snacking now was also in literally every band i believe he once had a six band bill that mike played the drums for every band christ um and it became this like very very tightly knit very involved very welcoming like local music scene in the sarasota bradenton area that was just everybody playing in garages and coffee shops and bars and storage units and stuff friendship played whenever i was in town so we'd play over the summer over winter breaks and we never like recorded much or toured in any sense or played outside of sarasota beyond the one orlando show we played not at will's pub but at the like much shittier dive bar next to will's pub where some guy came up and took my beer off the amp while i was playing and i was like wanted to stop him but could not because i was in the middle of a song um and so that was just like a very ramshackle chaos band um camp trash played a couple of like house shows and stuff, mostly as an acoustic band again, when I was kind of in town, but after that show in 2019, the worst party ever, uh, we had a lot of fun and also realized like Levi was saying that Brian was writing really cool songs and we had not given it the time or effort it had needed. Mostly because we thought that like, there's not really a point, like we can't tour, we can't do too much. Brian and I are, you know, old dudes, either 30 or heading into 30. And it's just not really like, we're going to like, get back out into the basement show scene successfully and be like, hello, fellow kids. But we were like, we really like the songs and we want to like not short, sell ourselves short by not trying to make, like record the songs with some like a decent quality and, and get like something out there for people to actually hear our music and not just be something that we perform live. So like Camp Trash hasn't even like played many proper shows one proper show I'd one, like one a, proper a, show. a single proper yeah. show yeah. all the <laughs> other sick. shows that camp trash played was keegan and brian doing an acoustic set in the middle of a friendship america set we yeah would stop the full band they would tune up their their acoustics and start playing and then we would go back to the full band thing yeah it was like the mountain goats you know the, the band would leave we'd do a couple tunes uh-huh. and he's like bring the band back on out which is we didn't we didn't leave we just sat there and watched you <laughs> I mean that that's some real like Florida shit like dashboard confessional playing in between fucking hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that with the completely off the wall and kind of head scratching comparisons that 
the camp trash sound has drawn so far. I think the dashboard's probably inevitable, right? Somebody will say dashboard before too long. <laughs> because it, well, because it's very catchy. I think that's like the really only the 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 finger touching moment there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I was so taken aback when the the Eve Six guy uh, pointed out the built the spill influence because I I feel like it's buried really deep in there. Just surprised someone identified it. The Eve Six guy. His, I've seen people say that like the Eve Six Twitter renaissance feels like calculated, but it doesn't to me at all. It just feels like he was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna start tweeting from the heart." Yeah, and... like, right. Um, like the Smash Mouth guy, right? The when they started just like tweeting "fuck conservatives" like a lot. That just felt like someone getting online and just having something to say and had a big account to do it. Yeah, Eve Six is like the op- the light side twin to the trapped arc, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like a sine wave. Of, <laughs> had to kind of vanquish the trapped guy before Eve Six could enter the world. There was like an arc to this. I think that the Eve Six guy is the hero we deserve in these times. Was clearly posting on a private account or something. Like came in with the vocabulary so everyone's like it's a plant. It's someone tweeting for Eve six. I was like, why would oh. Eve six hire a teenager <laughs> yes. to tweet for them? They don't have anything to promote right now. Um, I think that guy's and, like sober now, right? Yeah. I fully yeah. believe that Eve six is like honorary zoomer emo. Like yes, it's just massive sober guy energy. He's got yes. all the energy in the world. He's got a ton of thoughts. He's got nothing to do with him trapped at home. And that guy's posting. And I, I don't think there's, many other people posting at that level right now. And I think we should just appreciate this wave until he, you know, tweets something regrettable. We just got to ride this out. <laughs> I only know about yeah. Eve six Twitter because Blink-155, Josiah hates it. I don't know what he's posting. I haven't looked at anything. Like, what is it? I is, feel, is... I, I think feel Josiah, like is... Josiah hates it because the Eve six guy is just kind of doing Josiah's shtick. I was going to say, I feel like he's treading a little bit on the Blink 155 bit. I feel like there's plenty of tweets where it could have come from either account, which really? it may be the so source of the. He's like, so he's like shit posting. Yes. Yeah. He's oh my, my shit posting. I would say my favorite Josiah Twitter moment as of late is when Funko pops was like, talking all this shit about like the capital and just like saying fuck conservatives and josiah like ironically replied uh please keep politics out of funko pops and everyone took him completely at face <laughs> speaking of musicians with fire twitter um someone someone tweeted like a little comic that was like these two guys having a conversation one guy says, I support free speech, just not hate speech. And then the guy, the other guy replies, I support physics, just not gravity. And Farg fucking Vickerness responded, gravity as described today is actually not supported by any real science. Just saying. <laughs> the weight of that dunk to not only to call into question the foundation of our understanding of physics to undermine the stupid point that other tweet was making. Is beautiful to me. I think Varg Vickerness is actually the poster child for Twitter personality with shitty band. Yeah, I, th- I don't think we need to say anything more about that. I think that's perfectly said. <laughs> There's also so few of that era of bands. Like, we're aware that, like, the Third Eye Blind dudes are enormous dipshits that no one gets along with. We're aware that if anyone in Goo Goo Dolls said anything any of any kind publicly, 
the we'd have to stop listening to the entire band's catalog. Like we're just this Which, dude. Fuck that, because the Goo Goo Dolls have like six straight amazing albums. <laughs> the Goo Goo Dolls used to sound like super chunk, and nobody told me until I was thirty. <laughs> and I listened to that yeah. record, I was like, "What the hell's going on?" No way, really. Well, yeah, I, I gotta listen. I, I think Buffalo's yeah. proudest sons, baby. I think less super chunk and more like they transitioned from aping early replacements to aping later replacements. Um, Which but is I, also the super chunk arc. I mean, super, in a complimentary sense. Super chunk went from uh, aping Kusku to aping Bob Mold solo. <laughs> oh, see, and this is where we're at. All three of those bands in my mind, every all of that's the same. All oh. of it is just one big mass of dope rock and roll. On the real though, I think that Super Chunk is a band that will never quite get the credit for inventing a whole lane mm-hmm. in yeah. between pop punk and indie rock that yes. does not yes. have existed without them at all. And maybe still the best band to ever do that kind of thing. Like I, I, I don't think there's a better record in that lane than Majesty Shredding. I actually would argue that uh, Green Day's Kerplunk fits right into that lane. Like that, that could be true. But again, I don't think something that exists really without what super chunk started doing i don't actually know anything about the green day guy or like what his influences were the the green day cats uh have weird influences because they actually like started out like way more weird like having way more weird and obscure influences like beyond just like who's could do on the replacements obviously uh they were big fans of like like weird gilman hardcore like then Dookie came out and they like became way more straightforwardly punk, which I think is super funny that when they sold out, they became like a way more conventional rock band <laughs> or like more conventionally uh, hard, actually. Like Insomniac is heavier than anything they did like when they were indie. Uh, um, so, <laughs> so back to camp track. <laughs> so how did you guys, how was County Lucky Stars an option? Oh, um, County Lucky Stars... The, the emo revival thing happened while I was in college and I was in Virginia. And so it was kind of, we get the runoff from a lot of the Philly stuff. That was like a huge time when I was just like, list, like scrolling blogs constantly listening to as much music as I ever listened to in my life and, and going to as many shows as I had ever gone to in my life. And so, um, kind of like stars is a huge and still underrated and untalked about part of that. Um, I don't think the emo revival as we talk about it as a, as a scene or whatever, as a wave, I don't think that exists without Counter Lucky Stars. Fuck no. Um, I I think that Keith has an ear for what is cool and in a way that very few people have. I think he's able to hear things other people don't. And I think that the stuff that he's chosen to put out is a sign of someone who's like really listening and really aware and has a cool vision. I, I, I still don't think there's like many other labels that have such a clear through line and singular vision for what they're trying to do. And I think by being a little bit more hands-off, I think they're really super supportive, super invested, and also have always stressed to us at least that like our vision for stuff and our goals for stuff is the most important thing um, and have helped out um, with ideas or financially or whatever when we had like a vision for a thing we were trying to do. Um, And so I think that, I don't know, maybe it's Keith being a musician too but something about the way that Keith cares about music shows up in the way that he's run that label. Um, and so when I when we recorded Downtiming, 
it sounded better than we thought it was going to sound. Um, it came out sounding more together. And I was like, oh, well, we should actually send this to labels um, before we just... I think the original plan was just to put it out ourselves, just like tweet, hey, this is an album, and put out cassettes eventually or something. But I was like, if we can find a way to get this distributed, that would be ideal. And so I sent messages to a few people, but I wanted Count Your Lucky Stars because I wanted it to say CYLS number whatever on the spine of the record. That's what I wanted. It just it just meant a lot to me that 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 label and that discography. So I DM'd Count Your Lucky Stars and said, it says on the website, you don't take submissions, but I do have a submission I would love to send to you anyway. <laughs> and they... And I was like, I'm aware this is super annoying, but I really like your label. (laughs) I would like to send you something. And they said, people usually ignore that warning anyway, so go ahead and send it. Um, God bless Keith, man. (laughs) Just the sweetest person, which is something you can say about so few people Mm -hmm. (laughs) running labels or in music. Um, And he just, then we we got on the phone, we talked about what we wanted to do with it. and then the moment I knew that we were like in a good place was I, we were like sending unmixed demos. Um, we recorded with Kyle Hoffer in Orlando, Florida. Oh, yeah. He recorded the Here Online EP by Worst Party Ever. He recorded the forthcoming Snacking EP, um, which you'll hear more news about next week. Brooklyn Vegan eight seconds ago accidentally tweeted out the new song. <laughs> And promptly took it down. It's coming out next week. So when you hear this podcast, probably Snacking will have already announced that. Um, but he's all here. And he mixed and engineered the last, um, those see-through person songs that just came out and has recorded more stuff with them that's coming out. So we liked what um, Kyle was doing. And so we recorded with him over, while well, I was in Florida over the holidays. And but then Kyle abruptly had to leave Florida for a month long internship. And so he didn't even have time to finish like mixing the songs really. So I was sending out raw unmixed files to labels being like, it'll sound cool someday. And um, Keith said, Keith liked it. And so he said that we could go ahead and try working on a kind of like a stars release. But I knew we were in a good place when I sent him the masters and he called me and he said, I actually think this is too good for us to just do a cassette. He said, like, it sounds great. And I think it should be on vinyl, Shit. Um, which is not something that we plan to do because we didn't want to put a label in a financial hole for a band that didn't exist. But um, Keith was the one who said he wanted to do it on vinyl because he thought it should like it sounded good enough that it should be something you could listen to on a record. And it's that kind of like involvement and enthusiasm for what we're doing that has made it a really easy and fun thing to do. Yeah, dude, that's like a dream label for anyone who likes emo. Yeah. It will result in us being people describing our music as a little bit more emo than it actually is, I think. I think that's fine because I think that it's clear that what we grew up listening to, what we like, is emo music, even if we possibly write a little bit poppier than that. My initial thoughts on the song is that, like, it sounded very 2000s, and, like, that's from everything from, like, you know, something I could have been playing in the background of, like, the episode of, like, The O.C. to even, like, something like... I, I got a little bit of Taking Back Sunday vibes. Yeah, and also, like, the Long Island shit. That's wild. Yeah, I think that we get a lot of comparisons that 
as a band, we, I don't know, I think as a band, we're bad at figuring out what we sound like um, and spent a lot of time trying to figure out, like, Keith asked us, like, hey, I'm sending out the press stuff. We need, like, a recommended, if you like, like, a three bands that you guys mm -hmm. think you sound like. And that was a full 24 hours of arguing in the group chat about, like, no, we don't sound at all like the Get Up Kids. No, I think that if you listen to Guilt Show, though, we sound a little bit like Guilt Show. <laughs> and just, like, cons and then, like, someone going, what the fuck is something corporate? And so we just kind of badgered that around for a long time. Um, but Brian grew up in Michigan in the aughts. And so was going to see Mayday Parade and hit the lights in church basements. And so when Brian is described, Brian's obviously a gifted talent. Like he's a cool writer. He's a cool voice. I am making music just because I get to make it with Brian. He's my best friend and the only person that I would consider really making music with. But um, what he, he describes himself as not a naturally gifted musician. He started making music because he heard like hit the lights and was like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to like make a Mayday Parade record. So he started like making pop punk songs and like singing pop punk. And I think that that's never going to fully leave our sound. We're always going to be a little bit pop punky sounding. Yeah. Like it's like, I think it's just like very unapologetically like catchy and melodic and like the vocals aren't like tied down to like just like three chords or something like he's changing it up constantly and i thought that was really sick yeah brian's other strategy is to only use three chords but to use them in as many ways as possible in order that no one's aware that he's using just three chords mm -hmm. that's the cheat code yep um and then in your premiere they also wrote in the article that you guys are working on an lp already or not already, because this shit's been brewing for a long time. Yeah, we've spent the past year writing. Um, we had a couple songs that were kind of written before the EP, um, but most of that, the the record was kind of written this year in this process of like getting down timing ready to go and waiting on an appropriate release time. And then we're actually, I'm flying out in two days here to go back to the studio we're going to go record with kyle again and we're going to be doing a 12 song right now it's a 12 song lp with kyle that we're going to be releasing in september october sometime 12 songs is a lot to already have like coming right off an ep too so props we got a lot of steam from being a real band abruptly brian and i have been just writing songs by ourselves for so long um that even before we had released anything just to have copies of our songs and be able to send them to people and show them like what we sound like and what we wanted to sound like gave us a lot of steam through a year when there wasn't also like a lot else going on in our lives like everything was on hold um the one thing we had was like working on these songs like this kind of like i think immediately after recording the ep we were like this is to document these songs that we love, songs that we've played, and, and songs that we want to like, use to introduce ourselves to people. Um, but we immediately were talking about what the plan was for a full length. The goal has always been to record a whole record. Um, are you going to storm the Capitol if you're not an emo freshman class 2021? Where we twinkle one, we twinkle all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would make sense if we're not in the emo freshman class of 2021. If we are in... Uh, if there is a uh, Gin Blossoms knockoff freshman class of 2021, that is where we belong, and that is the list I will be furious for not making. 
that'd be funny if there is like a podcast just dedicated to like contemporary 90s alt rock (laughs) that's what our genre tag should be leave that we should just be calling ourselves contemporary 90s alt rock not interested in hearing it till i hear it from you (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so here we get we're getting into the into the nitty-gritty here so 2021 anticipated albums and the rest of 2021 preview all right yeah i i mean i didn't know that there was a lot of stuff that's already set up for the top of the year that i'm pretty excited about until i had to dig for them in fact one of them's coming out tomorrow for the announced albums hospital bracelets debut lp oh my god it's already january 11th holy shit i think this is like one of the highly anticipated emo albums and like yeah in like the past year in general yeah because hospital bracelet has like lots of pop hooks i think they like really uh they they really appeal to to people who would have been listening to emo pop stuff like 10 15 years ago and they've gotten like super fucking popular over like the past like quarantine basically just riding off like a handful of songs that have just been like getting spread yeah, it was the it was the haha JK Silver song. Yeah, which name I, I apologize for not ever knowing correctly. Yeah. Um but that was sober JK haha unless. <laughs> it it all it happens like every like 6 months or so that a song and it's like usually an acoustic song or a not fully recorded but like one song just kind of like takes off at an unexplained mm-hmm. rate and it was uh, worst party ever's trying soda. Yeah. which is like mm-hmm sitting at absurd streaming numbers which is an iphone demo that andy recorded probably under the influence of marijuana at some point and and is like a like a calling card for the band now and the sober and less song for hospital bracelet will be like a defining song for them as long as they're a band it, i think it like is a great mission statement for what they want to do for sure yeah yeah i'm excited for this one i don't know if anyone gives a fuck about cloud nothings in 2021 except for me but i'm really excited for fucking should Okay, we have a fan here. Oh yeah, I mean we're okay. I I feel like Cloud Nothings is a big songwriting influence for both of us. Oh yeah, we're recording at least one Cloud Nothings ripoff song. (laughs) Sick. It's Boogie Wards. I'm like tentatively excited about this Cloud Nothings record. I have it on my list of anticipated records. I I just like haven't loved the singles so far, and I I've loved everything else they've ever done. I just don't know if this one's gonna gonna hit the right way. I guess it's a good thing people are still stoked about Cloud Nothings, like, even after they tweeted that fucking, your Spotify wrapped is just a list of artists you owe money to thing. <laughs> I think, like, they're, ex- like, especially jaded. I mean, like, they're jaded to the point where they're writing an album a month for people that send them $10 directly on Bandcamp. And yeah. I think, like, they are very much, like, the working class band that, like, needs to tour, like, at least six months a year, so... I think yeah, Dil- Dylan's extremely jaded about what's going on. Yeah. They're Lake Erie boys. They're part of that Cleveland, Michigan, Buffalo, Steel Town, working class town, mm-hmm. like, you know, places people don't vacation. But I think that that is probably always been Cloud Nothing's strength is that it, it always just sounds like he's like working out. Like he's always just fucking improving. I, I think that you can pick any Cloud Nothing's record and say it's your favorite record. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty inarguable. Like the, but the last thing that they did um, as a label release, like uh, last building burning, I think is like the most technically 
impressive thing they've ever done. And when they were touring it, they were playing it straight through without pausing between songs. Mm -hmm. And so it was like 25 minutes that to me was so much more intense and exhausting. Like I've watched hardcore bands play that sweat less and that it was like (laughs) the most visceral and aggressive 25 minutes of music. Um, and I think that it's where quarantine albums are weird. I think it's like going back a lot to the poppy stuff. Levi, I think you were saying the vocals are like mixed super high suddenly. Yeah, they are not. Like, usually he does a good job of putting them down, like down in the mix. Now they have like a new producer working with them. Well, um, this they- is an Albini album, the one that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. They like have publicized very widely <laughs> that Steve Albini is in this project. And I mean, it's, I, it's what it might not even be their fault. It's definitely what their PR person is putting in the headlines, So. Yeah. Like the email is saying Albini produced record. Yeah. Well, but... Al- Albini did Attack on Memory, so I think that's another thing that they could use. It's like, oh, it's going to be like their biggest album again or something. This just reminds me of the time that Steve Albini said Amanda Palmer was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> because she was like, she did a Kickstarter and then she was like, if uh, looking for professional ish backing musicians to play for high fives and hugs. <laughs> Big, big album coming in this number three spot for your health in spite of uh, which I I've now listened to this record like a hundred times and it's it's gonna it's gonna blow the fuck up. It's probably going to be biggest screamo record of 2021. Yeah, I've heard it. It's the only thing I've heard on my on this list here and it fucking rocks. I've heard at least one other on this list, but that's that's getting to the soft announced um tiger's jaw announced an album like like two months ago and it still hasn't come out for another three months um uh it's coming out on march 5th it's called i won't care how you remember me which is an extremely dramatic fucking title and apparently this was recorded in 2019 (laughs) yeah with any luck i mean they have enough time they could scrap it and just do a new one (laughs) i think that it might be in their best interest to just try again i love tiger's jaw i think tiger's jaw is like one of the reasons we started playing music like we like heard that self I, you know i was you know again like in college when the self title came out and i was like oh yeah we can anyone can do this we should all do this this is like what you just place the the c chord for three minutes and then that <laughs> everybody loves that um but i think they have like two great lps and a bunch of incredible singles and splits and i think that they have completely lost the map and i can't imagine listening to a full tiger straw record in 2020 yeah I think that, I mean, when we talked about, was it Spin? Is that the 2018 one? Yeah. Yeah. We were... they, they're, a, they're a workhorse band. I, I yeah. think they put records out to tour. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and they should be, again, no one is shitting on Tiger's Jaw. They're a good band who deserves to be paid for the amount of years they've spent touring 100 days of the year. And I think that if this record has a single that charts at all and allows them to tour, it's good for them and I support them. I just think that it won't be me personally spinning the record. The big thing for me, like, cause when I saw Tiger's Jaw do the anniversary for the, for the self-titled album and they played it all the way through, I was like, their set list is actually not that different from like the other, like six times that I've seen them. Yeah. Um, and this is just like me being a curmudgeon because for me, Tiger's Jaw starts with self-titled and then ends with spirit desire and the bounce and composure split that that's like their golden period for me um but it's not that their albums are even bad it's just they don't like have that like 
they don't feel as personal as as they used to i guess as intimate i I feel like this has been said a lot about them but i whenever uh adam was it left the band it just feel like everything like it was gone for me charmer was clearly like uh adam and ben writing separate songs and adam's songs all rip and ben's songs for me are like eh. so that divergence like going deeper into the ben songs and now like brianna writing more songs too i think i do yeah i think that brianna is an undervalued songwriter in that band and a cool voice um i just think that i don't think she's given a good canvas to work with i think ben's songs are kind of very square the hooks are kind of flat um, and they try and pro- are producing it now rather than kind of like figuring out how to make the songs better. I think that you're absolutely right that Tag- Tiger Shaw kind of peaks at the spirit, desire, balance, and composure split. But I think their best song is Slow Come On. That's the top three I for think me. That that's the best. I, I still think that's the best Adam song, even even taking into account all the Wicca phase things. I think that's the most, that's the best song about being horny and neurotic that any emo adjacent <laughs> act has ever, and maybe the only one that any emo adjacent act has ever produced. And I think that um, uh, I'm I'm sorry because you just like demolished like say anything's entire discography when you said that. <laughs> I was okay. gonna make a Bay faction joke. Say anything, yeah. uh, an emo band. Then yes, then my argument holds no water. But um, yeah, and then until the camp trash song "Horny and Neurotic" comes out, and then we'll really change the conversation. But I think that um, anyways, I think that that song is like truly a, a strange landmark moment in the middle of a weird album. I feel bad just kind of writing this album off already. That's kind of shitty of us. Yeah. Um, well, okay, we'll meet back in three months, and, and, we'll, and we'll discuss our positive responses to the album. <laughs> if the singles are, like, actually designed as a signal for what the album's going to sound like, I'm, I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got three rippers in a row coming up after this, though. Um, the Glitterer album, Life is Not a Lesson. I'm really excited for that. Uh... I started out like not being super into glitterer, but the the first LP completely changed my mind. Like it was just so good and so focused, and uh, I just really appreciate that Ned's able to like compress all these like different songwriting approaches and hooks into like these one and a half minute gems. Mm-hmm. And the new single for this record is just like continuing off of that. It it makes me. Uh, it makes me a little less bitter that we're probably not going to get a new title fight record ever. I think I had the typical reaction of like being like, what the fuck is this? And then being confused. But then that album or the LP that the fucking debut LP really grew on me. And it's like, yeah, it's extremely good. And I'm really excited for another one already. Kids just really shit on glitter. (laughs) It's because the kids these days don't have any appreciation for disco, man. <laughs> really? I mean, like, you, like, you, 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 like, really need to know where he's coming from to, like, enjoy it, I feel like. And people yeah. just wanted another title fight sounding thing. I, and it's surprising because, like, a lot of kids are super into, like, the, the dance punk, post punk revival stuff, like the Killers right. and Franz Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. And Glitterer is just, like, a, a much more authentic like less polished version of that so i feel like they should be into it mm-hmm. <laughs> um portrayal of guilt we are always alone uh is there any question this is gonna fucking blow the doors off the hinges like this is following the integrity mold of being a great hardcore band 
that is too good at doing hardcore so they become a great black metal band. Yeah. I don't think they come from similar places at all. I think they like came from very different kinds of genres or whatever. But I think it's the, like we've watched um, death metal become like an influence in hardcore increasingly, like especially vocals. We don't Maggot have stop. vocals. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we don't have like barked vocals anymore. We have like very guttural vocals mm-hmm. and like gulch and like very shred, like a True. lot more metal influence. And I think Portrayal of Guilt is just like, fuck it. We're actually a metal band now. And I think they're incredible. I think the I think the difference is is that um, portrayal of guilt started with black metal influences and integrity mm-hmm. kind of accidentally became black metal through like the noise and the Japanese hardcore influences. Um, but if yes. you're looking if you're looking for like in like integrity stuff like that that rides the border between hardcore and black metal, I feel like not enough kids these days talk about the infamous Guyana from from California. Um, that band's fucking ridiculous and super dark, and there's so many like ridiculous stories about them. We'll put another, them in the show notes. Another record, um, if you're looking for kind of integrity stuff, the as, essentially when integrity started taking on Japanese hardcore and shifting towards metal, is a Japanese hardcore record by a band called Creep Out, which came out mm-hmm. at the end of August last year. It's called Swine, Swine and Heretics, but Swine is spelled S V V I N E S. Um, and they, their single from that album features Dwid from Integrity on vocals, and their sound is very like um, that transitional Integrity period, like yeah. free howling, um, just kind of that moving into more noise and metal. And it's an incredibly solid, beefy record that I think won't get talked about because it's a Japanese hardcore band record, but it's really, really good if you're into like Integrity stuff. Also, shout out Pale Creation. We got to talk about all Absolutely. the Holy Terror stuff, though, if we're gonna if we're gonna go that route, or fucking like in Cold Blood, like which was the like the best Integrity members like doing their own band, and it's kind of like that in between point between like in the Clevo hardcore like context, it's like the midpoint between the Integrity sound and the Ringworm sound, and mm-hmm. their their Victory record in '98 is really really good. And then you you said Shingard Shin announces their record today, Kyle. Yeah, Shingard announces their their name change today. I mean, They're... I see that they have changed all all of their tags to Hazing Over. Yeah, I think that's their name now. Um, yeah, yeah. Callus Dowboys tweeted, "Our friends are now called Hazing Over." And I would assume we get an album announced today. Yeah, there's a there's a promo they tweeted 23 hours ago that says tomorrow. Yeah. It's a one second promo. It's gonna be. Uh, unimaginably heavy Shingard hazing over are are just becoming heavier and heavier and heavier that's the most exciting young heavy band to me by a mile I think that what they're doing is the most interesting and I I am genuinely afraid of them when I put their music on I think that that is the best sign I think it was for like the fucking like one of the live stream things that like the shut the the, the summit shack did they like gave like a preview of new music and it was all just beat down I'm, um, I'm stoked and i'm excited for a new julian baker album i like the single that uh was released already julian baker is still the wagon that i'm not on like i don't i don't have anything negative at all to say about anything she's ever done but i also like feel like there's something about it that i can't grab on to <laughs> well it's because it's you were never in youth group you never played in a praise and worship band is no. the, is the missing gap there levi are you a julian baker fan 
Uh, not yet. I was on the Phoebe Bridgers and still on the Phoebe Bridgers train really hard. Um, but not, I, Julian Baker to me is like always been a little too like slow and airy. Um, and Phoebe Bridgers was like okay before, but then like when Kyoto hit and she was actually doing like a pop song, I, uh, it, it felt like that's the right direction for me. I just, I want Julian Baker to do more. Like I want Julian Baker to write Kyoto, and then I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. return. A totally reasonable thing to want. Hey, I would love if you could write somebody else's song. I think that Lucy Dacus is the underrated member of that circle. Oh yeah, and my favorite songwriter of that crew. And I'm just cannot understand where new music from Lucy is. But I would. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. If we can hope, that's one of my like hail marys for 2021. Is there has to be Lucy Dacus music somewhere. And I would love to hear it. If Julian Baker dropped a song with like a major key breakdown with synth lines, I'd probably be down for it. <laughs> if if Julian Baker covers Mutiny, I think we're good to go. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and soft announced. So the Stars Hollow is the is that this is the other LP that I've heard because I did Record I did the, the bio. Yeah, it's it's gonna. Do you remember when we did that episode, Kyle? Um, with like eight people calling in and someone was like stars hollow are probably my least favorite emo band right now. I think that they're the, this record is even going to like win the haters over. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it's so fucking polished. It was done in 2019 and they've just been like putting finishing touches on it. And uh, Tyler, like for once, like has a couple moments where he sings instead of screaming huh. and, it works like phenomenally well, like way better than I ever would have expected it to. And there's ever everything that they're doing is just like multiplied by 10 unwavering commitment. And I'm really, really stoked for people to hear it. It's that like shouty emo thing. It's not it's not hardcore, but it's definitely like harder than what people think emo music is now. Mm -hmm. They're the only band doing it in a way that is interesting. And they're, I think, like the most essential emo band going right now. Yeah, this is without yeah. a doubt my my like most anticipated album of the year. Like, I think people like pay lip service now to Algernon Cadwallader, but Stars Hollow is the only band right now in that lane that has Algernon's intensity. Yes, yeah. yeah people think that Al people remember the oddball poppy parts of Algernon, which is not what anyone who saw them live remembers about them. Yes, yes. Everyone who yes. saw them live remembers the fact that they have a really alarming and disconcerting intensity yes <laughs> up next awake but still in bed speaking of alarming and disconcerting intensity yeah yeah um, <laughs> this band just like makes my like knuckles turn white every time i listen to them so uh, the, the the new ep is fucking stellar and i can only imagine it's like a preview of what's to come i think it was on their band camp they wrote like these are songs that didn't fit into our projects meaning there's multiple things that are in the can it makes sense because it's it's now been like three years yeah yeah that <laughs> album's anniversary that three-year anniversary is a few days ago yeah that's wild one of the best parts of fest this last year is we were like running from one show to another and then i got diverted into some bar coffee shop something and then there was an impromptu uh wake but still in bed acoustic set with like 20 people and which is the most fest thing ever 
like everyone like we got to go to this random place someone's going to play an acoustic guitar and then it actually ruling is the most best thing of all time that's like not a thing you want to be sidetracked into but it was really tight yeah my favorite awake but still in bed memory is their acoustic set at south by southwest where shannon was like ellie is here so i'm contractually obligated to play floor (laughs) and I'm pretty sure every song on the new record is going to be as good as Floor, so it's a, like 11 out of 10. <laughs> I think my experience seeing Wake Up Still in Bed Live is funny because I saw them play a house show that probably should have only had 20 people for any like legal limit of capacity, and then seeing them in a big ballroom with Joyce Manor and Saves the Day. Yeah. Could, could not be any hey. different. <laughs> Shout out that record, 10 years today. Yep. Uh, Jail Socks LP1 has been recorded, and I would hope it comes out this year. Jail Socks, if you are listening, if you know Jail Socks and are listening, someone send me that fucking record. (laughs) I want to hear the record, and no one will leak me the record. I love Jail Socks. I think they are young kids that sing like, like... grown ass folks that is like a very authoritative presence on record yeah the yeah. riffs are very authoritative they can probably do any genre and it riff i don't think that they're limited to anything i think that that's like a endless ceiling like really high ceiling on this potential band i really am excited for that one i'll just ask aiden for the league <laughs> look uh mama jail socks follows me on instagram and she won't leak me the record this is outrageous mama like like aiden's mother aiden's mother yeah aiden's mother is a very um supportive internet presence for jail socks and when i started posting a lot about jail socks she followed me and just kind of fire reacts whenever i post about her children's band (laughs) (laughs) supportive parents of bands is one of my favorite things to find on twitter do y'all follow um harmony woods they they released a record on skeletal lightning like last year oh yeah 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 um well 2019 and uh her dad is incredibly active and just all the time tweets about how much he loves his daughter and how great the music is and also about all the other bands in the scene as like a way of being supportive he just also listens to everybody else um (laughs) oh that rules i want more people like that in my feed i'm glad harmony woods has finally left the 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 social norms beef behind (laughs) (laughs) god that seems like light years ago, the whole... It does, it does. It's It was literally in another decade. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fiddlehead, like, there hasn't been anything. Like, it's been radio silence from them, but I know that they recorded with Chris Teddy, like, this time last year. And that's an album that I will fucking fight someone to hear. It's It's crazy how, like, Fiddlehead seems... Like, the, the Fiddlehead music seems like everything that wouldn't fit on like a basement record um yeah and which makes it like better than almost every basement record (laughs) (laughs) that's absolute facts that is a great summary do you think fiddlehead would like put out an album without touring and stuff i don't know because i feel like even though i've never been able to see fiddlehead i feel like such a big part of their identity is like the live response yeah I think that's a band that's like a lot of older dude bands that relies on pull from kind of fans that they've accumulated throughout the years in their projects. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that they just drop, I don't even think they're a band that would care to just drop like a 
like an art rock record and just make a statement piece and leave it be and just sell vinyl. I think they would want to tour on it would be my yeah. guess. I mean, like it's yeah. a side project for so many people that it's like you would think that they would need to get as much out of it that they could. So that fucking hurts knowing that like, you know, one of the best albums of last decade, like it's follow up is just like sitting in limbo right now. It's yeah. Yeah. It's painful. This one, I see so many elite people tweeting about and talking about, and it's the new Foxing album. I don't know anything about this record other than it supposedly exists. But supposedly, it's amazing. I would love to listen to it and it be like the best thing Foxing's ever done so that Foxing's manager uh, <laughs> can <laughs> can be like, well, if you wanted them on the podcast, you shouldn't have called Nearer My God Ass. <laughs> Unless the Foxing album materializes soon, I'm just going to assume they also have become professional poker players. Yeah. That's whatever I assume at this point. When an emo band goes silent, I'm just like, okay, so y'all are just gambling professionally. That's tight. I'm excited for it. I mean, like, near my God, like, how, like, I'm not saying, like, how do you follow up such a monumental album, but, like, what do you follow that up with sonically? Yeah, I think that I'm excited for it just because I feel like they can. I don't know if they, I don't know if they, outdoing themselves is the right way to say it but i think they can follow it up and find like a a new sound and new way to do their thing i think they always will and so i think that whenever we get that that's going to be a great record yeah my my best case scenario prediction is that it sounds like xo by elliot smith (laughs) hell yeah let's go uh they uh ricky left the band in the middle of quarantine too so i think this is like ricky's last album with them um and has the world is given any update about their album that has evidently been recorded well just just some teasing here and there just dribs and drabs but i think james cassar has said like some positive things about it this album is probably like the one i'm the most nervous about because like they're one of my favorites all time of the genre and like holy fuck was always four in a whiff yeah so um i i just keep wanting them to i mean even going like even if they went back to like the way harmlessness sounded i i think it would be like fucking stellar yeah um but i just want i just want way more density in their sound um hopefully with like the time that's passed they have just been like using that to like keep adding shit into the mix which i think was always like the world is appeal is that there's just so much going on at all yeah. times yeah they're the they're the broken social scene of emo band <laughs> yes absolutely yeah they're, they're a band i've always kind of like i like the earlier stuff and bounced off every other release even though like i like them i just never i i think it's what you're saying like they're not they're not dense enough there's not enough there for me so i just i like them and i move on um I just, I just want them to go back to the Dear Leap EP sound, yeah, <laughs> split sound. Yeah, I love that shit. Um, Nervous Dater keeps getting tweeted about from uh, Counterintuitive. That seems like such like a long time ago since we heard from yes. them. Yes, which is a shame because that that first LP was just so fucking good. Yeah, like. The title track "Don't Be a Stranger" is was like one of my favorite songs of that entire year. That that band just has like hooks in their bones, mm-hmm. so I'm stoked. And, I'm stoked, and they're that, still like underrated. Apparently, there's been an "Every Time I Die" album that has been like done for like yep. since like 
around the beginning of quarantine. And again, that's a band that like, who Did knows? Did you hear the singles? Wait, so there are tracks that are out now? Yes. Okay. Yes, they they put out singles. This is one of three albums on the the first of three albums on this list that I think have like a high, uh, high chance of being my album of the year, or like all together next year. And this is the this is the first one of them. Ungodly good. The fact that they continue to push themselves with every fucking record is like unbelievably impressive to me. Um, I didn't I didn't mention this like when you first sent me this, but uh, Converge is also gearing up for a record next year. I oh. think um, well because they had a they had a song like under like a pseudonym on the uh, cyberpunk soundtrack, but it's not it's not as good as these every time I die songs like in comparison to their past material. It sounds a lot more like uh, like the like the last record whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I think. And if you if you have a chance, Kyle, like read the lyrics along with the new Every Time I Die tracks, because it's some of Keith's like most incisive social commentary like ever. Oh, yeah. And then I, All I added... say to that is my only comment is go Bills. That's right. Yeah. Uh, congrats. I don't know. I haven't been following it, but congrats. Oh, thank you. Right? I, I don't watch football, but I do watch almost every Bills game. I, I, call <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were gonna say, but I do watch Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> no. And if the game is on Nickelodeon, they should be on Nickelodeon. All of them should be on Nickelodeon. That should be a service that you can pay for. Um, but yeah, I'm do not watch the NFL, but I do watch every Bills game, and I'm thrilled for all the citizens of Buffalo who deserve it, inclu- especially the Every Time I Die boys. My football team is the Raiders. <laughs> um, I added Calistow boys on here because that LP has been recorded as well. And yes. it's fucking wild. You've this heard it? Number... <laughs> it's truly fucking... It's going to make Die on Mars sound like a terror record. It's going to make Die on Mars sound like <laughs> normal and tame in comparison. It's truly off the rails in the best way. And I think that um, I think that Carson is becoming one of the most interesting hardcore voices. I think, I think that we have a ton of cool like sounding hardcore right now. And I don't know if I've heard hardcore lyrics or vocals that have really shaken my shit up recently. Um, and the Callous Dowboys do that for me. This is number two potential album of the year for me here. Um, just because Callous Dowboys are in in every way, like, I think the modern version of Botch. Like, mm-hmm. in yeah. that they're completely reinventing what hardcore is capable of. And, and pushing every single possible boundary that they can. Um, I think that what the what they won't go down for, what they should, is the way that they own, they're incorporating borderline SAS stuff in a way that isn't beholden at all to the genre. Just like their influences are really wide ranging, and but they're not aping anybody else right now. But yeah. their uh, but their appeal is like widespread. Like it scratches yeah. an itch for everyone. Like those mathcore nerds the hardcore people emo people yeah yeah they actually i'm gonna go and revise my statement i think they are they're they're doing something as good and as like has like as much potential for being influential for the next 20 years as Glassjaw. Mm. i think they're gonna yeah. be like on that level yeah and the new record has exactly as much misogyny as a yard <laughs> yeah <laughs> um 
do y'all have any other i mean like this is just an eye list that i like scrapped it together and looked up like do y'all have anything to add for any soft announced or announced albums that you're looking for yeah to? levi you sent me yeah. a list this morning i yeah. think Let's yeah go. yeah well number one the new hold steady record that's coming out pretty soon hell yeah boys yeah. I listened to, I... to Girls and Boys this week, and it did not hit me at all. And I don't know if that was me like being too cool for it or if it's just outdone for myself. But I was like, do I even like this band anymore? And that was the concerning thought for me. Just go listen to Separation Sunday again. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's um, record forever. Michael Brooks did exactly what you're supposed to do. If your person hasn't heard the Hold Steady and trying to get in the Hold Steady... He just tweeted a bottle of liquor and said that I'm going to get drunk and listen to the whole study. <laughs> and halfway, but, but somewhere between Separation Sunday and Boys and Girls in America, he had walked his ass to the gas station to buy cigarettes. And I was like, this is, this is how yes. you're supposed to listen to the whole study. You yes. are supposed to dudes rock, pour up, get blasted, <laughs> relapse on cigs. This is the right way to listen to the whole study. Um, I saw then dude i went to two of the three seattle shows a year or two ago and made it through maybe 1.75 sets before i just like burnt out from party rocking too hard i think they're a band it does not matter if they're good or not yeah. like it doesn't matter if it's good it's just the most fun anyone's having being a band right now and i would rather listen to that than a lot of good music i think yeah i think they're like they're in an era where I think the Mountain Goats are too, where they're just kind of a band that's having fun making music together. They're not like yeah. doing anything as like intense or as like uh, like dense and intentional as Separation Sunday or mm-hmm. even like Boys and Girls. The they're just having a good time, and I love it. I'm all for it. I I got into like a kind of like overly exaggerated argument with Hendo uh, about about the Hold Study yesterday, and I think my takeaway from it is that I do think that there is like uh, a, a quotient of being like a dysfunctional fuck up that you need to reach before you can truly love the hold steady. I, I just love that they've always brought like the regret core vibe to like a, a slightly more mainstream level. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are basically like the thinking man's like terror or hate breed. <laughs> <laughs> I think if the headline we get out of this is, the hold steady or the thinking man's hate breed that's the best that's the best new music writing 2021 <laughs> thanks i do think the thrashing through the passion is their best records and stay positive the one they put out i think last year or end of 2019 no 20 i don't know anymore but i think that it was their best record in a long time i think that the production is a little bit less soupy um they'll never fix it they like that sound so it'll just be that forever but it's a little bit less mushy and the songs hit i think they're good little story songs that aren't just regurgitating what they've done before uh kind of actually since you brought up like the fact that the band seems to like shitty production the wonder years the new wonder years record is is coming out soon and the songs like that they've released are intentionally in the style of like upsides in suburbia but Ever since about No Closer to Heaven, their production has just been getting worse and worse and worse. And Soupy keeps saying, this is like my favorite production that we've had on our record so far. It sounds exactly how we want to sound. Fuck you, dude. Just go back to Steve Evitz, please. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I can't explain this at all, but I fully blame the Menzingers for all kinds of oh. that production. 
Yeah. I, I, you can trace a straight line from those records to bands that are insisting this is our best sounding record. And it sounds much worse, but closer to the Menzingers. I'm not saying the Wonder Years specifically, but that production style to me is putting a ceiling on a couple records, I think. It's taking the heat off of Will Yip. <laughs> Who likes it hot? Who likes it <laughs> spicy? Um, I think another, a, a soft announce that I'm, or not announced, that I'm really excited about is we're, we're probably getting the first Worst Party Ever full length this year. Oh. Um, I, I don't know if they've announced anything yet, so I don't think that we're like in the, this is definitely coming in the pipeline, but the plan is to definitely record this year. And the songs that they're recording now, I think are, like the songs that they're writing now are really, really pushing what they do and not, there's always going to be that element of like Andy's acoustic stuff and the kind of songwriter he is that makes him really interesting to people, but they're much more of writing as a full band these days. And they're a four piece now. There's a song called new God that when y'all hear it in like 10 or 12 months is going to blow your shit up. It's just the per like, it's a really great so, record and I can't wait for it to like become a reality. What else y'all got? Um, I'm hopeful for an archers of loaf full length this oh, season. Oh yeah. I, that was I don't think they, so heartbreaking. They've not like really like officially announced anything yet. Um, the singles are fun. No, they have. They've, they've announced that they have a record. It just oh really got shelved as soon as COVID hit. Yeah. So um, I, they, I mean, they were they had a tour. I had tickets to the tour. They were. I'm sure the, there was a release planned around that tour. And when all that got canceled, with this, the record disappeared without a sound. So I really hope we hear that. I think that I say this shit a lot. I think I talk in hyperbole a lot, but Arches of Love really did reinvent how to play guitar. I think a ton yeah. of like I, I don't think that even they invented a lot of kinds of ways to play guitar and write songs that even pop punk bands ended up using and emo bands ended yeah. up using. And yeah. they just were a huge like with, I think with Jawbox, just really ch in different directions changed how you could play guitar and how you could use guitar in a song. And I think that they'll never. Hopefully they'll go down as like bigger than like more influential than Dinosaur Jr. because I think they were. But I'm really hoping to hear these songs. I don't know if I'd necessarily put that like in the same lane because I think Dinosaur Jr. You have like the line that goes to tree people and then built a spill like, and right. then Archers of Loaf are a little bit more in like the pavement lane of indie rock. And I do think Archers of Loaf are better and the guitar work was always more creative than pavement. I don't know if I if I'd say necessarily more influential than Dinosaur Jr. I think um, like people don't realize how much influence Archers of Love have because I think so many people yeah. don't even know who they are, and that's yeah. what's like the crazy yeah. part about them. That like other artists cite for a long time that the Forever, mainstream yeah. never really recognizes. Yeah. I mean, literally every every emo record from like 2015 to 2018 sounded kind of like icky metal. Like yes. <laughs> Yeah, we, we used to cover Web and Front badly in like at acoustic sets in coffee shops. Like, remember the time we played Pastry Art in downtown Sarasota? And we then we played um, Best Ever Death Metal Band out of Denton by the Mountain Goats. The entire audience finished... was like el elderly, elderly like snowbirds. It was a, it was a pastry shop um, in a tourist okay, so... town. And we, we finished singing I'm... Hail Satan and not one person clapped. Not a single person was happy we were there. I'm going to say that Snowbirds is an anti-Semitic slur. Levi, <laughs> please check yourself. Yeah. God, we almost made it through the whole episode without getting canceled. 
this is this is very off topic, but getting into a fight with Nice about uh, how disliking Seinfeld is anti-Semitic was like the highlight of my Sunday. <laughs> You're you you know I I want to say that it's not my place to check in on this, but you are correct, and it, it, it's it, it actually connects to the Archers a little thing, in that if you listen to it, and or like now it feels like oh this just why yes. was this as big as it was and it's because it yes. invented everything you know you like it just it is the template for everything and you don't have any of this other stuff until you have the person who changed the way things were done mm-hmm. and i don't think that jerry seinfeld is a good or cool person necessarily um but i think larry david's okay cool. <laughs> yeah i think that yeah we have to take all of our comedians with like this is the best we get but i do think that um Archers of Love seem like cool guys who really got the shit end of the stick in terms of like getting anything out of their music. And you hear that in the kind of very defeatist way they talk in interviews. I think that I still have this quote written down on my work computer here of one time he's talking on a podcast about his son and like how he wants to raise his son. And he said something like, I don't want him to have like the, to have like a good life or a bad life. I wanted to be right in the middle. And I was like, that's the most like, like you've you've lived a hard life when you're like, for my kids, I don't want good or bad. I want it straight down the center. Um, So I hope that record drops and I hope that it's like a, a, a chance for people to like get into the band for the first time and kind of pay their respects to how much they accomplished. Hazing Over just announced a new EP. Okay. Set. breaking live it's on acrobat unstable and i'm pre-ordering it right now we're in the acrobat unstable hat right now because i'll tell you what i think that there's not i mean there's not a label that's going to do more cool things in 2021 than acrobat unstable probably it's just hits coming from them lately mm-hmm. all right so oh. speculated Sorry. really quick before we get to speculating yes. can i just say i'm a little excited for the new beach bunny record or ep that's coming out didn't even know about that yeah, I, I I didn't either until yesterday, but it's like two days out or something. I've known about I've known about Beach Bunny for so long, but the worst thing about 2020 is how often I confuse Beach Bunny with Bad Bunny, <laughs> like in my head. <laughs> I will say I like Beach Bunny, but there's not a band that can make me feel any older than Beach Bunny. <laughs> I'm old enough that Beach Bunny was how I found out what TikTok was right yeah like, this song is going viral on tiktok and i was like going what's it on the who's it's so i i think i knew what tiktok was i didn't understand how a song or something like like musical can go viral on tiktok yeah i was aware of vine too but not that like it was now a platform for songs to take off like that yeah i did see beach oh, bunny last year and it was an extremely good and tight show and like they're all super fucking talented, but like, yeah, it, it it it's music that just makes me feel old. Yeah, and I I didn't love the the LP from this year very much. Um, the the EP before it, the one uh, Prom Queen, mm-hmm. I thought was great. Yeah. So this is one I'm tentatively like, if it's good, then I'll be excited for it. Um, so speculate stuff. Prince Daddy wrote a record in quarantine. I don't know if it's recorded or anything. They they did like a like a eyeballs tweet 
like replying to someone saying, what am I going to, what am I looking forward for in 2021? And Prince Daddy was like, okay. You guys Um, guys know the genre of Instagram account that like tweets celebrity gossip, blind items, or like it's posts uh, like long. I don't No, I don't use Instagram. So no. Well, it's good. You're probably better off for it, but it's a wave of like private Instagram accounts with like 16,000 followers that repost like, got like censored gossip about celebrities and stuff and we should do that for an audience of no one with emo <laughs> bands where we're just like posting the hot new emo band gossip that's basically what this podcast is yeah i was trying to think of like a way to put like oh we can just make the e-word account just private on instagram <laughs> yeah just <laughs> and nothing would change make it seem very exclusive and rare tm zemo yeah um <laughs> So, That's a great pivot, I, actually. If, if remember that TMZ show where it was like sixteen people hanging out in a newsroom, yeah. like, have you guys <laughs> and, heard this crazy half, shit? Half the half that show was just about like the people in the TMZ office, as if we gave a fuck. Yeah, like <laughs> it's because they wanted but, to be celebrities. Um, my my favorite thing was when I tweeted. I sometimes I worry that we're just the TMZ of emo, and somebody was like, "Nah, y'all are the everyday struggle." And I was like, oh, that's heartening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just talk about Vane really quick. Um, I feel like this is certainly a band that won't release without touring. Uh, yeah, yeah. They shouldn't. Uh, they're they're right there at, like, crossover status. And yeah. they should have a big tour. They, they, they deserve to have a big tour. They should sell a billion records. Yeah. And also, just, like, there's too much momentum behind them to just kind of balk like that. They might just do another remix record. (laughs) It was good to pass the time. It was good. It was good. Even like the the wussy acoustic songs I liked. (laughs) I like this is just a Hail Mary that I think Origami Angel just kind of seems like the band that would write five albums when they get to her. They're also really good at not saying anything about their music. It's the exact opposite of the camp trash approach to releasing music <laughs> which is to not even indicate that they exist in any way until they're like hey we have three records coming this year yeah so this is a thing that i want and i think that origami angel is the only band right now that could do it but i just want like a sprawling like three album concept arc about like the first two pokemon gens <laughs> yeah i i think that if we can somehow fuse glass beach and origami angel into one band then we could get sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club gen two <laughs> yeah we could, we could get like an, a rock opera about pokemon yeah also glass beach has to have new stuff coming out. i know they're doing stuff on patreon like covers and stuff but i'm sure glass beach has yeah. either they have a record coming this year or they will spend the next nine years working on the record <laughs> there's no in between was that the band that released a car seat headrest cover last week the 15 minute one yeah great <laughs> i i it's it's insane that i had to question it which band did that <laughs> it yeah, could have been car like a... headrest right <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait for car headrest to cover the glass beach cover of their song yeah <laughs> car headrest is a great example of a band that could be a great songwriter but is just so convinced that they're interesting that every song is just about kind of what they're feeling at the time and thinking it's a story every car seat headrest album is a concept album about being in car seat headrest correct and that is 
We should clip that. We should loop that. That's play it at the top of the show. That should be sampled in the next Car Seat Headrest album. I'm gonna sample on the Camp Trash record. It's a good bit. Um, I a soft announced or unannounced. If you were at the little Camp Trash Zoom we did when we announced we signed to Counter Lucky Stars, we just um, drank a bunch and played our favorite Counter Lucky Stars songs on Zoom. And Keith showed up and played a song, an unannounced, unreleased song from his new band called Parting. Oh one yeah. Of the two yeah, Keith two projects bands. that he has most of a record in the can right now. Parting has a EP or maybe an album. It's longer. It's like six or seven songs, I want to say. And it's Keith, you know, from Empire Empire. It's members of Annabelle. Uh, it's an ex-dousing member, and it sounds like uh, Keith has vocals, so it definitely has that Empire Empire thing. But the songs are much more up tempo and energetic Midwest emo in the Annabelle or even dousing vein. And it's unreal. It's so fucking good. What's the other band that he's in? Mount something? Mount Oriander. Mount Oriander, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's his solo project. I think that one will be a little bit more subdued, but I haven't heard anything from that yet. I I think it's his Over the Garden Wall-centric side project. (laughs) Every time I hear dousing, I just like can't think of anything except skipping a dousing house show because my ex was going to be there, which is the weakest, <laughs> least hard thing I've ever done in my life. To be honest, I'm almost sure that is a dousing song. <laughs> yeah. Like, I believe that you, somehow dousing wrote a song that then predicted your life ahead of it happening. Yeah. They're, they were a great band, too. So, yeah. Um, even even more kicking myself now. Um, so anxious um, has an album on the way, but one step closer has announced their album already. Yes. Okay. Yes. So official. Both those um, bands are gonna and, like dominate. Yeah, yeah, and the one step closer album is part three of my possible like album of the year contenders on this list, like. I the great thing about One Step Closer is that they are so like influenced by Turning Point, and yet when they covered a Turning Point song, I was like, oh, this is a One Step Closer song. It sounds like nothing but them. Like to to be so influenced by one band but still like have such a strong identity for for yourself is like ridiculous. Yeah, um, as as someone who owns multiple Turning Point shirts it's really rare for someone in that genre to have a personality. And the fact that one step closer is so self possessed and so like, there isn't a reason that a a turning point inspired band should be at the forefront of hardcore in 2021, but they are. And so I think they are like deeply creating something that is very much themselves in that lane. Yeah. Yeah. And I would literally kill to hear them do a Linkin Park cover LP. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Linkin Park just announced like a Gex remix, and I was like, no, you should be doing a Vein remix. That's what should be happening. <laughs> Mike Shinoda I did a Foxing remix. That's dope. Um, I I remember back in the day there was like this whole big thing because Mike Shinoda did an interview. And he was like, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, my my guitar work is like really inspired by like Botch and Refused and Meshuggah. And people were like, what? Like, as if 
anyone in an underground band in the 90s was not going to be influenced by like hardcore yeah correct that botch record sold a lot of copies it's not like yes yes the refused record is refused were on mtv they are not like your special little secret you know (laughs) (laughs) um i don't remember the context at all anymore but there was an argument on Twitter I was in many years ago that ended with someone saying, Mike Shinoda has more classic bars than Nas. Oh, God. It's defensible, but we have to move on. Yeah. Um, I think that crying crying is a Hail Mary. They yeah. have been... Um, I know that crying has been working on that record for a billion years, um, but they're not in the same state right now, most of the members, and so I don't think that there's any like forward movement on it, but we desperately need the next crying record that's overdue. Um, a, a Portland band called slow disco. Um, one of the members is, uh, in a relationship with one of the members of crying, but doesn't make me think of it, but slow disco in Portland here is putting out very cool kind of math rock emo stuff. And they have a split coming up, um, that I think that people should check out. They don't have any noise behind them yet, but I think they're going to be really good. I hope there's a new Hecra album. I mean, Chilev mm. got in contact with them enough to reissue everything in one uh, set of tapes, so I hope there's something there. Then your last two Hail Marys. Those are, are those are just all one, basically. I want the Hotelier album that doesn't exist. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it it exists, but it it's gonna be like like a lost prince album there's probably like 20 hotelier albums just on christian holden's personal yeah. hard drive yeah <laughs> and like everyone else christian. i want frank ocean and kendrick lamar yeah i think that it's also hard to be like it felt like kendrick and frank ocean were so vital at the time they came out it feels like impossible to even know what their response to what we're living through would be like i don't i don't know what would even i think that's i mean they're obviously generational like defining artists i just can't imagine even what we're gonna hear from them next i i think danny brown might have a a fantastic record up his sleeve right definitely better than definitely better than his last one that guy seems cool as fuck man that guy seems really chill There's a lot of positive adjectives I could throw Danny Brown's way. Chill is not one of them. <laughs> seems like a cool guy. He doesn't seem relaxed, <laughs> but no. he seems like a nice person. Yeah, just like the mo- most wonderful, like adenoidal, spastic, like <laughs> beautiful human. <laughs> oh man, to hear XXX the first time was like being punched yeah it was truly upsetting like i was mad when i heard it i was like what the fuck is <laughs> happening right now monopoly like broke my brain like yeah unreal song and then radio song also on that record like I, that that was like because he had like a studio album before that but it felt like it wasn't on par with his mixtapes and then xxx came out and it was like oh danny like is reclaiming his identity again. Then obviously old and atrocity exhibition are fucking phenomenal. Um, so I've got about 30 minutes left for, I got to take off. So y'all want to yeah. hop into these hopes, predictions yep. and resolutions. So, yep. per, so 
my number one hope, and I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly or if I'm tracing the lineage back correctly, but I no, think... you're cor- completely correct. Really? Okay. That's, yeah. that's very good to hear. I'm hoping that the, and I'll bleep it out, influence of riffing and songwriting dies for emo this year. And I'm talking about where you play a, a chord and then you play as many notes in a run as you can and before the measure is done. I want that trend to stop for emo like immediately. I think it has been going on for way too long and people are way too impressed by it. And I think like the peak of this was actually with Soak from Guitar Fight of last year. And I think that is like the appropriate bookend for that style of emo. Just like stop doing it because... I think it got enough attention. Number one, you're not going to get more notes in the measure. Those boys did it. <laughs> right. They, yeah. they, they got all the notes in the measure. And also, um, I think that you see the breaking point. Like, it's no longer emo as, like, we're at, in the mold as it, might, as it is um, 1994, which is a band I don't know if people talk about anymore, but 1994 had a record called Fuck Your Head yep. that was just basically one dude sort of yelling in the background as they did somewhere between math rock and botch, just like riffs yeah. that were just all over, like losing their mind constantly. Yep. Nasty. And stuff. I think yeah. that, I think that soak is a masterpiece. I think that soak is the best example of someone losing their shit on record. I think that it should go down as like the best record of 2020. And, and one of the, like a, a hallmark of that, of that scene. But I think that it, that's another bit. Those kids have no ceiling at all. Those kids yeah. are going to, put up 40 points a game for the rest as long as they keep playing music i don't you know until kit moves into a doomsday bunker with a shotgun and stops releasing music i think that we're just going to see more and more interesting and kind of even genre bending like less beholden to emo and more progressive in a lot of ways yeah and specifically i've seen like a lot of people on the tl just like calling out influences like there there was a band that got like accused of ripping off a riff and another band that got accused of like stealing lyrics and it's just like there's so many bands that by now have done that style like better that i think that you no longer need to go back to the source it's it's just one of those things where i did not expect like because that that style kind of gave way to like the mom jean style and now the style is coming back and yeah. I wasn't expecting that to happen in the first place. But I, I, I do agree that, you know, soak kind of put the cap on it, so to speak. And I, I just, I, I think, I think the next logical step is for bands to get heavy again. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is what we were kind of predicting last year, but I think we kind of saw like, a bulk on that and it might just kind of was because of pandemic and people weren't releasing their stuff but or getting together even right just, i think it's just that we're too ahead of the curve honestly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just... we gotta start doing our predictions two years in advance y'all's yeah. hit rate is too high um i also think that emo lyricism needs to get better and stop being like something that you do in the booth like i think that's what separates like emo from 10 years ago is that like the lyrics were fucking very thoughtful and creative and like influenced by maybe something besides fucking like tiktok or something that i can 
sound like an old man and talk about. Yeah, but, I think like, that I, with no disrespect to anyone, no more chalky milk and goldfish lyrics. Yes. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I, without disrespecting anybody's band, because any time that I write lyrics for our band, I think it's very much this. But I think that we're we can start to pivot away from every line and every song starting with I yeah. and then describing an emotion and then describing why you feel that emotion. Um, I know this isn't just like an, an emo thing either. This is how everybody like writes songs. Like when you're, when you're just like, what do I, what do I think and feel about? And then you write that. But I think that especially listening to Keith's new bands, um, re- like listening to him, he does a lot of, he does almost entirely like fictional, um, like storytelling at this point. And to hear that and go, oh, like there's so much, the possibilities are so wide open. And yet the bands that I, we, we say like storytelling lyrics and we think of like the hold steady, the mountain goats, and it shouldn't just be like dad rock bands right. that are responsible for telling cool stories. Like there's no reason why all, like all the kids in emo can't be also sharing kind of like bigger stories than just what they're experiencing. Yeah. I, this is a theory that I just came up with, but I think, on a, like a big part of the problem was is on the early Wonder Years stuff when they were starting to blow up. Soupy's lyric style was just, "Here's what I did today." Um, yeah, I've like, I've, I've been seeing that for for years. That like the Wonder Years, I think, might have been the band, and maybe it's just a pop punk thing in general. That like the lyrics were just like diary entries, and people were like, yeah, "Oh, that but- that's good," and that's what need, that I need to do because I can do that. The problem was Soupy, uh, just like on a sheer literary level, was just always 10 steps above any of his peers or people who were influenced by him. And uh, people don't realize that like hyper specificity is what makes things relatable, Mm -hmm. as I've said, like 10 million times. And so they just they write like the most asinine uh, banal like observations about like it, it's basically the equivalent of like the post Seinfeld boom of observational comedy when mm-hmm. the like has anyone else noticed blah 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 like just like you got you gotta dig a little deeper and has find, anyone else like, brushed their teeth worse. right after drinking something and it tasted really nasty <laughs> has anybody else had a coffee and orange juice back to back and just had a gross taste and thought this reminds me of letting people down I was thinking about diary entry bands and how I think people like started doing it because bands like fireworks were doing something Mm. interesting and also doing like the diary thing. And so people took away the wrong part of what they were doing, but that's another hail Mary band fireworks released that one song that sounded like fucking foxing and then did, and then (laughs) disappeared forever. What the hell happened? Pandemic. (laughs) What was that song? It was like a six minute long yeah, this is my loose prediction, is that younger and younger bands start doing that, like a like a darker, more larger scope Art. sound, um, which my fear is is going to circle us back around horseshoe theory style to circa survive. Oh, I think that we're going to, as we get away from twinkling, we're going to start heading toward progressive genres. So, but do you think that? the bands that are current have enough technical ability to pull that off. No, but some I think of that them, it, I've seen some of yeah. the kids, I've seen some of the kids say, Hey, do you want to start a fall of Troy band? Well, yes, like... I've been seeing that too. <laughs> and I, you know, and I don't know, but I do think that I think that we're going to, what I mean is I think we're going to see a shift away from goofy rock as the, as the template for everything. 
like I'm a fuck up and this is the modern baseball thing and towards a more serious kind of trying to say something more important, whether that is storytelling and more fictional songwriting or whether that is pivoting away from confessional, this is the shit in my house and this is what I did today stuff and more trying to trying to address something larger. Yeah, we're seeing like a replay of like the shift from like the neon Disney punk to like the the crew neck and hoodie core scene, like yeah. in the late outs, early 2010s. Yeah, um, pop punk is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got for hopes? Um, I know here, Kyle, you have please kill off shoe guys and shoe grunge in 2021. I would have agreed with you in 2019, but 2020 actually like surprised me with like the quality releases in that lane like but it's also funny because put out an album yes (laughs) yes that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing and i think hum putting out inlet is actually gonna be what kills it because (laughs) how are you going to how are you going to compete with fucking hum which is who you're all ripping off already yeah um the clear body record and the nothing record were both like really really good examples in that lane of like fully bad interesting stuff that but we need we need a like what we need is people to stop like taking these bands with like these happy clean guitar tones and calling them shoegaze. Yeah, <laughs> Turnover it, have never made anything close to a shoegaze album. When yeah. I think shoegaze, I think like oppressive guitar tones yes. and yes. like claustrophobic, like uncomfortable atmosphere, and not this fucking like lying on the grass in the front yard during the summer vibe yeah people got the idea that shoegaze meant reverb and really lost the map a little bit as to how that is applied like reverb when it, the way it's used in shoegaze makes things smaller and less expansive it like makes yeah it, 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 it makes the vocals intimate despite the fact that they're on a sea of guitars yeah but i think you're right i think that i was also kind of like i i personally have no room or time for like basement citizen nothing they're all great bands that i just don't get anything out of um but that clear body record lit me up i thought that was a tremendous very cool record that's Mm -hmm. very much a shoegaze record and not a shoegaze adjacent record it's like genuine shoegaze and it's also interesting and not played out and there's they just announced an audio tree today that rocks i honestly though even if you haven't liked prior nothing records i think the great dismal would do something for you because it's a much like it's 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 much less like metal indebted than any of their previous records. It's very it's very like I don't want to say poppy, but it's a lot more uh, melancholic and I wanted to say easy listening, but that's not right either. It's just more like breezy and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. What else we got for hopes? Um, again, I I want emo kids to start listening to hardcore and not like pretending to to be into hardcore because that's 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 like the the big thing is like i think i i said in, in the 2019 wrap-up that i i think that it's and then in the episode of greg gordon i think it's like really like a one-sided type of thing and in fact it's not because there are like a lot of hardcore people who are into emo um but not on like not on like the the ground level um and you can't we kind of i kind of saw like this wave of like emo kids like becoming like hardcore band reply guys <laughs> and just being like Bre- brendan murphy notice my funny tweet please um <laughs> stop like trying and start doing in that regard 
I just remembered one of my hopes is that we get a Taking Meds full length. I haven't heard anything about act- that, but that EP, I, I wasn't a Taking Meds fan. I heard the shit and was like, this is cool. This is not my lane at all. And then I heard that EP they did last year, and boy, that shit goes hard as hell. I don't think I heard that. They put out the full length they- at the end of the year prior, right? Yeah. Or, or the year before. I, I hate yeah. Yeah. I I actually missed out on this until like a couple days ago, but Skylar from Taking Meds put out uh their sobriety record, uh the Growing Stone record. Um and it was really incisive and sensitive and vulnerable in a way that like emo has forgotten how to be. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think if they if they take that approach and meld it to like the extremely snarky and violent side of taking meds. I think the new taking meds record would be like fucking phenomenal. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a new heart attack man EP as well. Oh, it's an EP. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, there's um, a, there's a drug gonna, church record that's been recorded too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and um, what's, what's his name from drug church? Patrick. Patrick. Patrick has been open on the podcast about saying like, I've been, he, he's like, I'm telling everyone, just don't drop it. Like, don't release anything until we can tour. He's like, it doesn't make any sense to waste all your money on this and then not get a response. Um, so I don't think they're going to drop anything until they can tour. Because, again, I think that they're a band that relies a lot on the, the intensity of their following. Mm-hmm. I do not think that they want to just drop this in dead air. I think they want to tour. Yeah. All right. Predictions. I think that the Barty's strange approach will be big in the music industry in general uh, this year. Like, genreless, one person producer type artist. Like, yeah, people just connect with solo acts more than bands yeah. now. That's just like a fact. It's why people can blow up on TikTok with their personality, mm-hmm. and um, people are people are drawn to to narratives. And because of the way that social media has like atomized all of us, like a, a narrative focused on a singular person is going to be like more attractive to from like a consumer psychology standpoint than when based around a band or a group of people. I mean, and this especially because this seems like a crazy comparison, but like look at like what Travis Barker is doing now. Like he's yeah. a, he he just attaches yeah. himself to stuff and people, and like it could be something. Like, he's in the world of emo trap as well as, like, pop as well as this stuff. And, like, it's all under his own umbrella. And people are just, like, yeah. seeing that that helps and that it works. Right, like yeah. we're, not, we're not seeing any bands right now. We're, none of us are watching bands play. but So we're engaging with music as it is, which is why I think it's especially important in 2021 for bands to focus on, like, what they're saying and their lyrics. Because I think that we are engaging at this point with songwriters more than we are bands. Yeah. And even if you're like, even if you're like camp trash, which is like a very kind of standard pop rock indie emo band. Like I think people have to be trying to say more or like, have something more translatable outside of the live context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, and it's cool because we don't even know how Barty strange live is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's going to be big. And this is a prediction. This is, this is like two parts. I think Math Rock is going to have a big year. And I also think we're going to see a lot of influence and focus from international bands specifically. 
like I've like personally have just done some digging of just like what's going on in math rock and like there's a fuck ton going on and a lot of it is um international stuff and I know Keegan you've like focused a lot on this right like you had like a column about bands from other countries um it is just like cooler it like they write stuff that like our ears aren't used to hearing and it's fucking tight and i'm ready and i think like this like 2021 could be a year where like a lot of people catch on to that finally if you own a guitar in japan if you have owned a guitar for any amount of time in japan you are capable of playing beyond what any u.s guitar player can play (laughs) like there, there is no comparison at all on the level of technical ability and you see this in in like like a number of of high profile math rock bands but it goes all the way down like like independent small bands are creating intricate naughty complex like impossibly layered melodies and rhythms um right down to people who are home recording and i think that it's just a different culture in japan of music i think that there's more of a market for it live i think here you're playing to empty rooms with math rock and that's why we haven't seen it evolve but I think that especially because we're going to spend clearly another full year without touring, um, I think that the home recorded genres or the stuff that translates better in headphones than it does live mm-hmm. is going to have a better year. And I think that Math Rock's a perfect candidate for that. I think a band like Slow Disco in Portland um, has like, it feels like a smaller audience than more pop oriented bands. But I think this is the right year for them, like that people who have more intricate and carefully constructed kinds of music should have a, have a big year because i think that's uh the perfect kind of thing for us to be diving into in a year and we're going to be spending it through headphones probably yep i i also predict that uh the pandemic has is going to like really change the way that we pay artists um Ooh, yeah. because patreon for artists has blown up for your health said something like the direct payment like tip option on spotify has given them more money like than all of their proceeds on Bandcamp have like over the course of their entire existence. I think it, it, we're going to see a lot more of like supporting artists directly uh, while simultaneously like their projects are going to be uh, more accessible. I think we're going to see less people like charging for albums on Bandcamp first. Like it's, it's just, it's just going to be much more of like a direct consumer relationship which is good because I, I think that that middleman aspect of the music industry has been obsolete for a long time. And this has just proved it more than anything. What else we got for predictions? I feel like any any and all predictions for me are going to like be futile efforts in trying to figure out what's going to go on. I, I have no idea. I just want more power pop bands. Mm. <laughs> That's really Hell yeah. Oh, um, the homie in Portland, Mo Troper, just released a single yeah. called The Perfect Song, which is the best song title of all time. <laughs> it is a great little jangly gem. I think Mo, I don't think that being talented is cool or important. I think that being talented sucks and like just trying really hard to make something cool is cool. But I think that Mo is talented. I think he's brilliant. I think he's like making power pop the way that we used to have power pop, which is just weird geniuses are creating yes. pop by Chris via Bell. science somehow. Yeah. yeah. And I think that yeah. he's an important and cool voice. And I hope that this single means that there's like more of a record happening in 2021. 
That single is literally just like the power pop version of Tribute by Tenacious D. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like probably one of the, what, 50 best songs of all time? Yes. I, I do have one prediction I just remembered. I We should mark here in case this is like a, a feud I didn't intend to start, but I think <laughs> DIY in general as like a as a community is or should be on its way out. Um, yeah. I think we're like... At this point, it feels so like there are so few people actually owning the community like moniker as like a like a DIY emo band. I'm already on DIY five. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The Camp Trash LP is going to be DIY 15. So you all have several months to get through about 10 versions. But yeah. I think that in 2021, fascist and DIY are both words that are just being applied so broadly and kind of uselessly that we should probably yes. start getting specific about what we mean. And I think that it's less about belonging to a community as much as it is creating a community in what you're doing. So I don't really, I'm not interested in what bands call themselves. I'm interested in if you are cool to other people and if you support other people. And I think that trying to find a way to describe your community is most counterintuitive to what your community could be doing, especially because we're all just online. Your community is now everybody. Now it's all these bands, all these people. It's, and I think that one of the best things that's happening is no one's hanging out in real life. No one's taking pictures for clout or whatever. We're just all trying to support each other in some material, tangible way during a shitty time. The less we have to explain it, the better. I think that the best, I don't remember who tweeted it anymore, but the best tweet of all time is the new rules of DIY are is if your band is nice, it rocks, and if you're mean, it sucks. And I, I think I, I, actually, I actually hate that. Uh, but we only have five <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> what I hope for and predict in 2021 is that it will become kind of less a contentious online community and more about like we're all trying to do something impossible and stupid, which is make music and have other people listen to it. And it only really works if we're all cooperating in some way or trying to boost people who we think deserve it um i wanted to squeeze this in here because i wanted to talk about it at some point um but kind of on the topic of talking about like multiple diys and like fifth wave emo in general um i think i think it was the band home is where created like a fifth wave emo chart and i thought that was very cool it was like yeah. it like properly like laid out how we got to or like what exactly defines fifth wave emo so I just wanted to shout that out here. Home is where fucking rule. Yeah. I love band. the homies in that band. Wait, aren't they yeah. from Florida? Yep. Yeah, we do have to get going. Um, so resolutions time. And I would put this as now that we've lined about things, what are we going to do at all about it all in 2021? Um, I think personally my resolution is going to be, you know, support bands as much as I can, pre-order, buy stuff when I can. Um, but also a music resolution that I've been acting on immediately is like I started Last FM, or I started scrabbling on Last FM a lot, and that's helping with music discovery and stuff. And uh, I want to get into Vaporwave this year because I think I want to get into music that is so wildly unfamiliar to me, and that can evoke without tools like guitars and stuff that i'm so used to so that's one thing that yeah that's like a project i want to get into is to get into vaporwave and also vaporwave like vinyl is a big thing i'm a collector 
it just seems like a lot for me to get into and sink my teeth into. I think the only vaporwave adjacent thing that I've like that I've liked and listened to before is Saint Pepsi. Oh yeah, the they did the American Football remix. That was really good. I've never <laughs> even heard that. So maybe we're gonna be doing uh, how does uh, an emo kid get into vaporwave episode later this year? Who knows? The it's gonna v be, word. Uh, it's gonna be a sleep aid. It's gonna be you like the episode slowly drifts off into ASMR. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, actually the v- Andy from Worst Party Ever. <laughs> Andy from Worst Party Ever does have a vaporwave EP online if you can find it. It's very cool. You'll you'll have to send uh, that to you, me. Uh, my resolution is to to make that bread and uh, never fucking work a shitty job again. Even though I know I'm probably gonna have to. Yeah. So um, that was your resolution. That was your le- resolution last year. So how did that go for 2020? Um, it is, it, it went both better than I expected mm-hmm. and, and also like was not quite where I wanted it to be, but, um, I am like really close uh, to being like completely self-employed. Hell yeah. Like I'm, I'm like this fucking close. I just got to like hop that one last barrier. <laughs> oh yeah. My other resolution is to, uh, be nicer but also like not be nice when i i feel like um i have to be like i i'm i'm real sick of like friend core or not friend core but like just like not saying anything shitty about a band just because like the people are cool um which which goes back to like why I dislike the 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 new rules are if you're nice your band rocks if you're dicks then your band sucks because that's not how music works <laughs> I think no, it's absolutely correct but my resolution is to be more intentional about being nicer I think like I I think that I listen to so much music and go man I love this shit or I think about my friend and go man I love that person. And because we're all in quarantine, we're not seeing anyone or doing anything with anyone. And so my resolution is to try and, like, be more uh, communicative about how excited I am about the people and things in my life. That Just trying to support what I'm excited about and, and support the people that I love. That's probably a l- little bit better way of, of what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Your way is always more quotable, though. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm just I'm dropping gems over here. <laughs> I'm like my resolution's tangential to Keegan's and that I just want to call my friends. I spent most of the pandemic so far reaping the the rewards of being a bad texter and someone <laughs> call ever. And now that I can't just like hang out with the people who are near me, uh, I'm like sitting alone in my room. Like, all right, <laughs> who wants to who wants to virtual hangout? Um, gonna text also the, that my, yeah my new resolution is just to make kyle text me more <laughs> <laughs> oh we're making new resolutions for kyle i got a ton let's um, hear him also the goal is for everyone in camp trash to get super buff <laughs> we would like to be like very, uh, very much a jock band by the end of 2021 i joined the top shelf running club welcome you're yeah, oh you're the in there too yeah yep tight Wait, is there a club or is it just the shorts? Because that's all I got. There is a Strava group as well as a Discord server. And a secret Spotify playlist. Yeah. 
I I went on my first run of the year, and then I like sprained my knee, so oh, it's it's going well. <laughs> but I I did run six hundred miles last year though. Damn shit! Fucking congrats! Yeah, pretty good. I need to brag about that somewhere. So here it is. I'll do the I'll do the calculations of how many miles you had to run each day. <laughs> Because I want to know exactly the amount of miles. I'm not sure, but I did do a half marathon, and that's when I peaked. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. So that's my actual goal is to get to a half marathon this year. Kevin from Top Shelf will be like, hey, do you want to run? I'll be like, how far are you going? He's like 10, 12. I'm like, yeah, I'll catch up with you about halfway through. Oh, wait, is is Top Shelf or is Kevin at least in Portland? Yeah, Kevin is Portland-based, and we have kept saying we're going to meet each other. For the upwards of six months really and we have yet to actually encounter i mean it's a pandemic year man i'm just yeah. making friends online that i hope we will see someday so so the real resolution i think for everyone is just to become the hottest motherfuckers in email <laughs> is yeah trying to overtake uh ryan from snacking yeah yep. oh god well every time i bring up ryan my wife goes hot ryan i'm like yes we don't have to call him hot ryan jesus <laughs> um Snacking, however, is my most anticipated EP of this year. I think they're the only Death Cab for Cutie influence band who could st- who could make something interesting in 2021. And I think that what they're doing is beautiful and wonderful. Um, but we have to circle back to Hottest Motherfuckers and Emo <laughs> as the title of this episode. <laughs> um, we, have, we, have- we have several contenders. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you guys for like letting us come on and talk with you all for a few hours. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank of you. course. It was fun. Um, if this comes out before Friday, y'all are welcome to leak our new single at the end of this episode. If it doesn't come out before Friday, then we're, we're, everyone's welcome to listen to our new single. 